Welcome to the Backcountry Cardio Podcast. I'm your host, Brad. This podcast is all about the outdoors, fitness, and most importantly, living the best life you can, both physically and mentally. I love finding people who strive to be their best at anything they are taking on, such as running, weightlifting, cycling, hunting, you name it. I want to hear their story, and hopefully it gives us all a chance to take something away from it and apply it to ourselves. So sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Backcountry Cardio Podcast. I'm your host, Brad, and today we have up Brandon Gutierrez. Brandon is a military veteran, both Marines and Navy, and a diehard mule deer hunter in the state of California. Uh, hunts pretty much anything. He's going out of state this year on an Idaho deer hunt. Uh, so I wanted to bring him on here and talk a little bit about scouting for mule deer, what he looks for. Uh, maybe we'll get into long-range shooting a little bit. Uh, you know, and, and kind of go down that alley since uh, seasons are upon us. So how are you, Brandon? Hey, what's going on, Brad? I'm doing pretty good, man. Doing pretty good. Good. So, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, like I said, you know, you're a military veteran and you said mm-hmm. Navy and Marines. Um, and yeah. then kind of how you got into hunting. Well, I, I kind of have a, I think I have probably an unconventional background, you know, as far as, uh, you know, most guys who grew up hunting, I think, I think a lot of guys who grew up hunting, you know, they're, they're hunting with their dads or they're hunting with their uncles, grandpas, things of that nature. And, you know, when, whenever I was growing up, uh, I grew up on the Indian reservation and, you know, it was, uh, it was pretty rough back in those days, you know, a lot of, um, kind of a lot of crazy, crazy living, a lot of fast living, you know, alcohol, drugs, that kind of stuff, a lot of violence and stuff. So, uh, my dad wasn't around. So I, you know, I grew up with my mom and I think back in those days, we were just trying to survive, you know? So I didn't, uh, I didn't get exposed to hunting per se, except for when I would go to my grandpa's house. And my grandpa, uh, was a, a correctional officer at the uh, California correctional center. And he didn't live on the res, you know, he lived in a nice neighborhood and stuff like that. And things got a little bit too, uh, hairy with mom, you know, we went to go live with him and I was about nine years old at the time. And I'll never forget the day, you know, we're, we're sitting out, it's a fall, we're sitting out on his deck. And then my uncle Leo and my uncle Nedry, they come, they come in on the, uh, in, in uh, grandpa's blue Willie's Jeep. And there's a, there's a buck strapped to the hood, you know, like, like you see in the old pictures, right? And, <laughs> you know, and I'm nine years old and I've, I've never seen this before. I'm thinking, what the heck, you know, I've seen deer everywhere. I mean, you grew up with them, but um, I'm, I'm just looking there and, and I can, I can see the deer and my uncle Ned is just all proud, you know, and, and uh, I look up my grandfather and, and, and I told him, I said, Papa, you know, I, I want to hunt, you know, and, and uh, he, he told me, he says, you know, Brandon, whenever you turn 10 years old, he goes, well, we're going to start teaching you how to hunt deer, you know, and I, I think that moment meant a heck of a lot more to me because, you know, my grandfather, he ended up passing away before I turned 10 years old and he, uh, he got in a car wreck and, and, and I never, I never went hunting, you know, and then I think after grandpa died, things got, things got even more, uh, crazy. So, you know, hunting and the outdoors life and stuff like that just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't something that was, you know, in my purview. Uh, right. I, you know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up the way I did. And then I, I enlisted in the Marine Corps. I went in when I was 17. I, uh, I joined the infantry. Uh, I, I was on a security forces contract. So they, they stuck me out in, uh, uh, first fleet anti-terrorism security team company in Virginia. I spent four years there. I was supposed to rotate to a Victor unit, but I, I spent four years there. I deployed over into uh, Bahrain. We were doing security operations whenever the coal got blown up. And uh, it, it was kind of crazy because we, uh, we did some evacuations out of there right before September 11th and September 11th happened. And, and as everybody knows, you know, the world kind of changed on that day and we were already out right. there. So uh, we finished our deployment, came back home, and then, um, you know, then I then I got out of the Marine Corps about a year later, and then I ended up going into the into the Navy. Uh, spent four years, went back over went back overseas. I worked on the uh, the aircraft carriers. I was uh, um, I was an F-18 plane captain, so I was on the flight decks and stuff like that. And uh, did my oh, wow. four years there, yeah. and and then I came home. And then when I came home, um, that's that's when I got into hunting. I uh, I was finally back home in California and where I'm from in California, you know, we, we, we do have mountains. I mean, our high country is not Colorado high country, but it's, you know, we're, we're still up there a ways and it was just good to be around the mountains. 
you know. Well, yeah, you ahead. guys are. Um, I mean, I grew up in southern in southern Oregon uh, on the California border, and oh, okay. I mean, yeah, the, the Marble Mountains, um, all of that. Like California, I think California gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. of the lower two thirds. But in the <laughs> yeah. no- northern Northern California is beautiful. Like right. it is amazing. I've done some runs there. Uh, I mean, I grew up in Ashland, so it's like on the border, you know, okay. ten miles away. Uh, right. well, I didn't grow up in Ashland, but I lived there. I worked there um, mm-hmm. for I don't know almost a decade. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it's picture perfect in a lot of areas. So I I, I do. Uh, feel like people don't realize that if they've never really been into that area, how picture perfect it really is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's uh, in, in the Honey Lake Valley where, where I'm from, uh, I mean, there, there's, there's plenty of people who come here, you know, they can't believe it's California. They're, you know, they're thinking it's, you know, it looks more like Idaho. It's like more like Montana, you know, type country. Right. And, you know, I've, I've, I feel really lucky. And since I started, since I got into hunting about seven or eight years ago, you know, I, um, I've, I've come to realize how lucky I really am to live in the county that I live in because, you know, as far as game is concerned in the state of California, we're in one of the best counties. So uh, all the all the best hunting is in my backyard and um, and and I've had the opportunity to learn a lot, you know, but whenever I got home, you know, I, it was it was nice because I, I was surrounded by mountains again. And, and for whatever reason, you know, I, I remember what my grandfather had said. And that was about the same time that I, I met my, um, my significant other, the person who I'm with now. And, and her dad, you know, he, he was a big time hunter and stuff. And whenever I went to their house for the first time, I, you know, I see this, this shoulder mount of this, this giant mule deer. Uh, he, he says it's around 180. It, it definitely looks that, that big. And there's all these pictures of this, this old serious looking Indian guy you know, holding, holding, um, antlers of all, all shapes and sizes. It's like, wow. Okay. I need to, I need to meet this right. guy. I was kind of, I was kind of intimidated, but I still wanted to meet him, you know, because I figured, well, you know, if I can get in good with him, maybe he can show me the ropes, you know? Absolutely. And I think he was, I think he was a little skeptical of me though, you know, at first. And he's like, all right, well, you know, go take hunter safety and, uh, you know, I'll let you use my 30 out six and I'll, you know, I'll give you some pointers. You can go out there. So it was a little embarrassing. I think my first, my first season, um, I hunted 12 days, but by hunted, I mean, I, I dropped off my old lady at work. Okay. And she goes to work at eight and I picked her up at by five. So I was hunting between the hours of eight 30 and five o'clock, which was probably the worst time to hunt deer anyways. Definitely. <laughs> so, you know, I was, I was out for 12 days, just a rookie. I didn't know a damn thing. I didn't, you know, I, I saw a few does, I think I didn't, I didn't see a buck that whole year until the very last day. Right. So C C zone was, was closing that weekend. And then X four was opening up. It was one of our premium zones. And, uh, I'll, I remember that morning I got out before the sun came up finally and, uh, went out on this, on this little knob and their rifles going off and stuff. And, you know, it, it was just much of the same for me though. And I'm walking back to the truck and I jump a herd of deer. I look through the scope and here here's this here's this uh, muley running in the opposite direction through the scope all i see is antlers in his butt <laughs> it's like oh <laughs> and you know that was the very last day of my very first hunt you know and, okay. and i i yeah i i i'm a bit of a perfectionist you know i i think i got that from being a marine and stuff like that and i i really i i don't like failing but i'm not afraid of it you know and it was, it, you know, that first season was definitely a big failure. So uh, I, I kind of was licking my wounds and doing as much research as I could. And that's when I, I don't know what possessed me. I was like, you know what, I'm going to bow hunt. Uh, my brother-in-law tells me that I'm going to see more animals. And if I see more animals, I'll have more chances. So I said, okay, well, let's go, let's, let's try bow hunting. So I went to Cabela's and, and got a, a PSE stinger ready to hunt bow <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, full, full length arrows, you know, wobbling, <laughs> just, right? Just a great setup. Right. And, uh, and I practiced all year. I got to, uh, you know, I got to where my effective range is probably about 50 yards. And, um, and this time my, my father-in-law, he decided to uh, take me out, but the way my dad, my, my, my dad grew up hunting and still hunts is, uh, you know, the old timers up here, there's so many roads that they rarely got away from the truck. They would just road hunt. 
And well, yeah, because it's all it's all logging country up there, right? Oh, it's well, I mean, former logging country, but the roads are still right. here, you know. So right, it's like, and that that and that's how Oregon is. I mean, you know, it, it's just most of the that era of, um, you know, guys, females, probably too hunting back then. Um, that that's what they did. It was like, okay, yeah. here's a clear cut. I'm gonna glass. Oh, there's yep. 40 deer out there. I don't want any yep. of them. I'll go to the next clear cut. Well, uh, <laughs> the roads are still oh, there, yeah. but times have times have definitely changed. Oh yeah, I mean, and that's and that's funny because uh, that's that's exactly what what Dad would say. Like, oh, you know, I all all the best bucks I've ever killed are right off the road. You don't need to get away from the truck. You know, I was like, oh, I don't need to do that stuff. And I gotta be honest, man. I hated every second of it. I mean, I, I was thankful for what dad was showing me. And I was I was thankful that he took me out and was helping me out. But every time that we would we would be out, I would I would look over, I would look at a ridge or I would see into some kind of a drainage as we're driving. And I just wanna I just want to get out of the truck. I want to see what's there. You know, I, right. I kept I just kept I had this feeling like, okay, yeah, maybe there's some deer in, in the immediate vicinity, but this did, to me, it just didn't feel like we were hunting. It, it just felt like we were driving around and kind of smoking and joking. And if we saw something, then great. But, you know, you can't say that you stalked a buck whenever you jumped out of a truck. It's like, come on, you know, and, and I wanted right. to, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to do it the right way. Do it, do it, I guess, the way that I was seeing it, you know, done by, you know, people could say what they want. But, you know, I, I watched a lot of Cam Haynes videos. I was getting exposed yeah. to Aaron Snyder. Aaron Snyder and Remy Warren and I'm watching all these guys and I'm thinking, okay, these guys are not doing what I'm doing, you know, and, and I want to, I want to kind of go that route. You know, I want it to be hard. I want it to be intense, you know? Right. And, but, but I think, uh, you know, like you were saying though, that, that generation, because when I grew up, so I'm 34, but I started hunting it at about eight years old. Um, and then when I turned 12, you could legally hunt deer. So I hunted with my dad from eight to 12, you know, just with him. Um, mm-hmm. and then 12, 12 on, I could go hunting, but what you just said is exactly what I did. My dad would drive around every road in the country for 15 hours a day. Oh and yeah. It was just, it was mind numbing, but, <laughs> but you know, oh, that, yeah. so that was, that was 22 years ago when I started and you, you didn't have the Aaron Snyder's on YouTube yet. You didn't right. have, you know, the, so so I do think like what you're kind of talking about, like you, those guys came out, like when you were kind of starting getting, exactly. you know, into it where like my age, um, well, I guess I shouldn't say my age cause we're probably near the same age, but you know, when I started a lot younger than you, no one knew that that's what people were doing. It was just oh, sure. getting get your truck and go drive around to clear cuts and shoot oh, one sure. off the side of the road. So, yeah. but man, that is exactly how my, starting of hunting was exactly what well, you I, said. I, I feel like I feel like uh, even though I'm what do they call that an adult onset hunter I mean even though I'm I started you know at 30 years old uh, I, I still feel pretty lucky just because of the amount of information that was available whenever I started because I didn't I didn't have any hunting buddies um, I've always been kind of a loner anyways you know, I, it's not that I can't make friends. I just kind of always chose not to. And, and I just felt more at home by myself. I'm a bit of an introvert, I guess. And, you know, to, to be exposed to just all that free information, like, I mean, Greedy Bowman, whenever, whenever that podcast first came out and Snyder was with him all the time. I mean, I, there Mm -hmm. was, I did, I didn't miss one of those podcasts and I was just, I mean, I was like a student, I was studying that stuff. And, you know, if it wasn't for those thousands of hours, you know, I, I, I would still be trying to figure out what the heck I'm doing. I mean, those guys really shortened the learning curve for me. Absolutely. So, so kind of on that subject, you know, um, with, with gas prices that are ridiculous, you know, you made a post about, um, doing a lot of e-scouting. So what are you mm-hmm. kind of doing? Uh, what, what e-scouting are you using? What, what app or Google earth or whatever? And then, mm-hmm. um, you know, what are you looking for as far as California stuff goes? Like what, what, what do you look for on a map? Okay. Well, in, in California, where I'm at in California, uh, it, it's taken me a couple of years to try to figure it out. You know, I, I would see these, I would see other, you know, content from other hunters and cycle like, oh, that the country just doesn't look like that here where I'm at, you know, we're, we're right at the edge of the Sierra Nevadas and the Cascades start, you know, so it's, 
It's uh, sure it's steep. There, there is some high desert type terrain, but those are all in the, the super hard to draw zones, you know, where you would have some visibility. So like C zones, you know, uh, most of X4, stuff like that. Those are areas where it's really, really thick and the forests are overgrown. You know, you got a decadent forest. So, you know, food sources are a bit hard to find. Um, it, so I, I spent a few years just trying to figure out, okay, one, yeah, I can drive roads and cut tracks and figure out, you know, where they're moving. But after that, I got to look at the topographic map and see, okay, why are they moving? You know, why are they going up and down this hill? You know, what, what is around here? Is there a bench? Is there, is, is there a mahogany? Is there a bitter brush? Is there something that they're going to eat? You know, and mm -hmm. where I, where I'm from, um, you know, especially in the sea zone, you know, you get the, um, you, you get those different kinds of feed and, it's, it's that old rule, you know, uh, food, cover, and, uh, and, and water. And if you can find those things, then at that point, it's as soon as I find that kind of stuff, I'm looking for trails. And if I find trails, okay, great. Oh, hold on. Trails, then, then I'm looking for bedding areas and things of that nature. Once I find those, once I find those things, then at that point, I'm, I'm going to decide, okay, where am I going to set my cameras? Am I going to set them on trails? Am I going to try to set them in areas where they might be feeding and stuff like that? And then the other thing that we can take advantage of where I'm at is uh, the water sources. There's some artificial water sources and things of that nature um, that, that you, you know, if you're lucky enough, you're able to find them. And that really lets you know, you know, where the, uh, where the deer and the bears, especially the black bears, where they're at. And it helps you assess the area because, you know, there's no real, there's no real way to glass. There's no real way to, um, you know, hike a ridge and then glass into a drainage or a canyon. It's just too thick, right. you know, so you got to ambush hunt. So, you know, you're ambush hunting on a trail or you're ambush hunting on a, on a water source, something like that. You know, um, I wasn't able to hunt last year because of the Dixie fire, but in 2020, um, you know, I used that tactic. I basically stole everything I could from, from whitetail hunters, and, and I, I use that tactic here in uh, Northern California, uh, you know, and, and took a tree stand in, it was, it was in a climbing tree stand. You know, I found one, I found a buck I wanted in June. I watched him through the, through the trail cameras for June, July, August. I figured out his pattern. I knew that I was going to be in for, you know, he, he came in about every three days. You know, he would always come in in the morning, never came in in the evening. So I knew, okay, I'm going to come in here every single morning and get in here before the sun comes up. I'm going to sit in this tree stand and be as still as I possibly can. I'm not going to come in in the afternoons and I'm just going to ride the sucker out until he comes, you know? So I hunted for about four days. And on the fourth day, uh, you know, he came in and it was funny because uh, I was sitting at the bottom of this little drainage where the water source is at. And uh, the way the, the first noise sounded, I thought it was a black bear coming in and either way, it didn't matter. I mean, I knocked an arrow and I'm looking and, Oh crap. It's that, but it's that bug. It's that big three point I've been watching. And, uh, man, it was amazing. You know, he, he stayed about, he stayed up high he was like circling and, and looking down and checking the area. You could tell like, okay, there's a reason this guy's old because he is cautious. You know, he'd take three or four steps. Right. He'd look, he'd, he'd, you know, and, uh, he, he made his way down to about 31 yards where I pre-marked, you know, I pre-ranged an area. Um, and he put his head behind a tree and I drew the bow and <laughs> he would take a step and he would wait. He would take a step and he would wait. I, I think I was at full draw for a good 45 seconds to a minute. And he finally turned to where I could take a shot. And, you know, I settled the bow in and, uh, and I got my shot and he, you know, he died quickly. But I found that uh, hunting from a tree stand or hunting from a blind in my area is probably one of the most effective ways to kill good deer here. Uh, it's right. just because of the country. And if you, if you, if you get in about May, June, if you find the areas because the deer have moved in by then, if you find the areas and you set the cameras, if you set the cameras, don't, don't check the cameras all the time, you know, check them maybe once a month. And then when it's time for the season, you know, you should have a plan by then and then just stick to the plan. You know, uh, and it, it seems to work for me. It's, it's, it's worked out all right, you know, but with so Idaho, you, the e-scouting is different. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, in California, are you able in your area to at least get an idea of water sources from, uh, from Google Earth or anything like that? Um, I actually use Go Hunt. Go so hunt? that's what okay. I was getting, yeah, I was getting ready to get into that. Um, okay. I think the, the Go Hunt Insider thing Man, that that is mm -hmm. uh, that's definitely worth every penny. At least that's what I've found so far. 
Um, as far as the California stuff concerned, you know, whenever I got the, uh, the Go Hunt Insider, it opened up, it opened up um, those maps to, uh, to regular water sources and then to um, artificial water sources, you know, so the man-made stuff. And, you know, that, that in itself, uh, just it, it, it really opens up, um, you know, super thick country. It really opens that up to possibilities. I mean, you, you got to go in and find this stuff because most of, most of these water sources are way off roads. You know, you got to go in there and hide right. and find them. And, you know, we just went a few weeks ago and they weren't all there, you know, so we, we hiked into probably six or seven spots and excuse me, and those water sources weren't there anymore. So, you know, it's, it's hit or miss, but whenever you do find one, boy, the trails, you know, those trails are looking good. So, you know, my, I'm hopeful for the season. We'll see what happens, you know, but the go hunt, the go hunt insider with their maps, I don't even need Google earth. I mean, um, their offering is, is really, really good. You know, they, with their layers, with the, their 3d options, you know, they, they essentially have, it's basically like Onyx and Google earth combined, you know, and okay. it's, they also, you know, then they also have, um, species distribution and stuff like that. So if you're lucky, you know, it'll give you, um, different like migration routes and corridors and stuff like that, you know, and, mm -hmm. uh, with Idaho, I mean, that's, that's where I've really been hitting it hard. You know, I've been using the, using the go hunt thing to, um, you know, one, just look at the unit, but also I, I looked at the, um, what's his name? Bradley, what is Bradley something? Uh, the guy at go. Oh, hunt, um, um, it's, uh, I can't, yeah, I can't. Where's, I know we know I who we're think. talking about. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's, 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 yeah. I can't yeah, believe I can't think of his name right now. <laughs> The, the mule deer guy, the mule deer guy. Right. But anyways, um, he, he put on uh, like a free YouTube video and just showing how he's e scouts. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to try to reinvent the wheel. I sat through the, the full hour, took like three pages of notes and I just copied everything that, that he does. And with the Idaho thing, you know, I've um, I've been fortunate enough to use that, use that e scouting tool and that e scouting tool led me to migration pass. So right now, you know, in the unit that I'm going to hunt, I've, I've been able to narrow down where their migration routes are for the particular herd that I'm going to be hunting. I know where their summer range is at. I know where their winter range is at. I know what ridge that they're moving up and down and it's going to be October. So, you know, it's like, okay, I, I, I don't need to necessarily pay attention to those, but it's going to be mid to late October. So the bucks will be moving down eventually. So they mm -hmm. shouldn't be too far behind, you know, so keying in on those areas, um, you know, is, is where I've been really paying attention to. So I'm looking mid slope, you know, I'm not really looking, trying to find anything up super high. Um, we're not going in on opening day because the moon's going to suck. So we're going in on the second half of the season, you know, so I figure, okay, there's going to be hunting pressure. Uh, they're going to push those deer into the timber anyway. So I'm going to be looking mid slope and just kind of, kind of trying to figure out areas where I can, uh, you know, basically follow that path all the way down because, you know, go hunts, they give you just so much dang information, like biology information, all kinds of stuff, you know? So, you know, it's, it's, it's more than just looking at the map and plotting waypoints, you know, it's, uh, right. it's, it's, it's learning, it's learning the, not just animal behavior, but the particular animals that you're going to be going for. And in this day and age with so much information being available, you know, you're limited basically to your motivation. And if, if you just want to, you know, I'm going to find a basin and I'm going to just start looking, well, that's fine. You know, I've, I've been there. Um, or you can, you know, try to call some biologists, try to email some fish and wildlife people, you know, uh, do all those kinds of other things because, you know, sometimes they'll actually be talkative. Sometimes they won't, but right. you know, all well, those different things go into play. Well, and it's, um, what you just said about, like, it's, it's up to you. Basically you have all these tools. Um, and that's so true because even with all the tools that we have, the success rate really hasn't gone up. You no. know what I'm saying? Like people no. always talk up, you know, I, I see like, um, Corey Jacobson and those guys, uh, get asked that question. Well, all your information's great. Well, success isn't any better. Nope. Uh, and that's, that's because for the most part, and, and obviously I have no, no, evidence to this, but I would assume that it's because you still have to get out there and do it. And it's hard, Absolutely. right? It's still right. cold. It's still a long ways in. You're still tired. <laughs> right. And you know, how many, how many guys have done those done, done what you've done and they get to the first ridge, they glass for a half an hour, they're cold and they're like, eh, we'll come back later in the day. 
you know, oh, yeah. and that's, that's why oh, yeah. a lot, that's why the success isn't much better because, because uh, it's hard. Like you said, even though you have all these tools. Well, and to, to add on to what you're saying, I mean, I, I completely agree with, with that assessment. And the only thing that I would add is this, is, you know, with, uh, with all these tools that, you know, give you just a little bit more of an edge, people are still people, you know, Pe- mm-hmm. people, people still get cold. People are still lazy. People are still limited by, you know, limited by their physical capabilities or their motivation, you know? Um, I mean, that's why preparation is so important. And, you know, I, I've been burned before, you know, I, I went on a bow hunt in, um, in Eastern Oregon for elk, uh, a few years back. And, I went with a guy who, uh, you know, he, he had, he bought all the right gear. He said all the right things. You know, he seemed like he was motivated. You know, we went through the same e-scouting thing. I had biology reports. I knew one of the biologists by the first name basis, you know, we're out there by Burns. And, mm-hmm. and uh, we decided, I, I, I probably shouldn't have picked the unit, but I decided to try wagon tire just because there's hardly any hunters. You know, I was like, well, yeah. might, there's hardly any hunters. There's hardly any elk, but there's no hunters here. So we have the right. whole unit to ourselves. We had 10 days. I told him, say, hey, man, we're probably going to go four or five days and not see anything. You know, but right. all we got to do is find them. If we can find them, we can kill them. It only and, takes uh, one. That's it. You know, and and I was I was prepared. I was ready to do it. Um, you know, Bradley, we sat we sat in the wagon tire for four hours on opening day. And he says, he goes, there's no elk here. We need to go to the timber. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, go to the timber where we decided to hunt the desert, <laughs> but he, you right. know, he's talking, he's talking about the Primo's videos. He'd been watching all year. Like, no dude, that's not <laughs> like, right. We barely know how to call elk. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. So, you know, I, I, I've, I've been around, I've been around, you know, all kinds of different hunters. And I think, I think that's why I, after a while I decided to just kind of solo hunt because I can make my own decisions. I can, kick my own butt without having to worry about other people. And, and, and that's worked out, you know, this year is going to be a little different, you know, I'm going to, I'm bringing a few newcomers along here in the bow hunt and then up in, uh, up in Idaho. Uh, I just figured, you know, I, I, other people are getting into hunting and I think it, it would be, you know, it's kind of like a karma thing. You know, I want to, I want to pay it forward. I want to help people, you know, where I didn't get that help, you know, maybe help them find success where it took me a long, a lot longer, you know, so that'll be different this year, but I think it'll be all right. Still. I'm no, that's, I mean, that's really cool. You can, you know, you can't turn people away because hunting is already questionable enough in today's society. Oh, yeah. um, and then if you're the type of person that's like, oh, well, I'm not going to help you. You just made one more person think that hunting is, you know, not something I want to do. So yeah, that's, 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 I mean, yeah, ultimately you want to kill animals, right? You want to kill this huge buck, but if you help other people, um, you know, a good quote I heard one time was if you help somebody get everything they want, you'll get everything you want. So you're right. Karma karma will come back, you know? Um, so yeah, you know, that's good. Good for you. But, um, you know, tell us about, uh, and this is another post you made that I, I liked because I, I um, am on the same page with you. You you talked about running cheaper in trail cameras, not running uh, real expensive ones when you put them out. Uh, so what, right. what are you running? What are you doing there? I run those, uh, what are they? The They're the small stealth cams. I think they're like the uh, the X series or something. They're all on the trees right now. So, <laughs> but um, Okay. They're, they're the smaller ones they are like 12 megapixels, the trigger speeds one second, you know, it's, they're not cell phone compatible. You know, these are like, they're right. like 50, $50 a pop. You know, it, I, I started out trying to use the, you know, 24 megapixel half a half a second trigger speed. And while mm-hmm. that was nice, what I also, what I also came to experience was, you know, not everybody in the woods is, you know, is honest and, some people are, some people are, are pretty screwed up. And, you know, I would, I would average anywhere from two to three cameras a year that would either be stolen or just completely destroyed. And it's like, okay, it, it, this, it started out just, a, a, just a matter of trying to save a few bucks. Cause I knew I was going to lose a few cameras anyways. But then after mm-hmm. I got into it, I'm thinking, wait a minute. All right. I don't need these fancy cameras because if I set these cameras in the right way, 
if I if I put them in, 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 in you know in the right direction, the one second trigger speed is going to catch everything I need. It's no big deal, you know. And right. where I would spend money for one full camera, I could go on Camelfire and get three three cameras, you know. So it's like, well, that's that's what I'm going to do. So now I run, I run fifteen. 15 or 16 cameras right now, just in the one unit here in California. And uh, it's, it's worked out pretty well. You know, we, we also, we also hunt a lot of bears in the fall. And even though I have not been able to get my bear in the last few years, the, we do run a group of guys up there and every year we're taking three or four bears out. So, you know, it's the, the scouting with through the cameras and stuff has really paid off. Yeah. I, um, it's funny you say camo fire because that's where I get mine. I just do the refurbished uh, stealth cams. There's yeah, nothing wrong with them. You know, if you find the right ones, uh, the right deal, I, I think mine are 12 megapixel. Mm-hmm. And I think I want to say they're 35 bucks a piece. Yeah. And I mean, I've run, I think I have five of them and I've run them for two years now mm-hmm. with zero issues whatsoever yeah, no issues no issues none at all those it, those refurbished no. cameras you're talking about I, there's some that i've left from season to season and just put in new batteries they're fine yeah <laughs> the I, so i fine. in 2019 i put one out and i put it out november of 20 no november of 2020 uh, i think it was and i didn't get it until june of the next year and it was at 9,000 feet uh, so it, it was out there seven months. And at one point the snow got so high where it was at, um, it was still taking pictures. It was dead by the time I got to it, but it was still taking pictures in like February. And at right. one point you could see the snow was at the camera. So yeah. <laughs> it, it was like, I, I don't know, four feet, maybe three, three right. and a half, four feet of snow. Yep. And when I picked it up, I put a couple batteries in it and the thing just boom right started going right 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 then and there i mean no problems whatsoever and it was 35 bucks yeah i had, I had the same experience this year you know <laughs> i just checking the sd card on these cameras i left all year and snow was all the way up like you said about four feet and i got there's coyotes and chipmunks and stuff like that running across the snow I'm like oh this is cool <laughs> right so now when you go to idaho uh we'll kind of transition to that because you already said you, you tree stand hunt mainly um ground blind whatever in california uh you know, what's the tactic going to be in Idaho? Is it going to be glassing? Is it going to be, uh, you know, you know, what are you going to be doing? Well, so, okay. So let me back up then. So on, uh, on public land in California, I'm ambush hunting because that's the situation, the terrain dictates that to me. Um, okay. every, every single year I'm, I'm also really, I'm really fortunate. I try, I don't, I try not to like brag about anything because I know that other people don't have the chance, but, um, my tribe owns, um, you know, several thousand acres and, we where where my where the Indian Rancheria is is actually situated in the desert. So um, every year during during the uh, mill deer rut, um, we we are the wintering ground is basically the Rancheria. So um, while I bow hunt in in the timber um, every year, I'm I'm uh, glassing and and spot and stock hunting uh, in November in the sagebrush. So okay. uh, I I do have. I do have quite a bit of experience, uh, you know, sitting behind a tripod and, and uh, looking through the binos, using my spotting scope. And, you know, I've, I've definitely invested quite a bit of money into my optics. I, you know, I run 10 by 42 Soros, uh, the ELs, and then I, you know, I have an STS Soro uh, spotter. You know, I, I went through the whole gamut. You know, I started with Diamondbacks and then I got Vipers and then I got Razors and I said, okay, after I got Razors, I'm never going to get any other ones. And then I made the mistake of looking through some Swarrows and then I just couldn't get it out of my brain, you know? And, and at some point I kind of decided that I'm just going to really become kind of a one species guy. I, I, there's just something about mule deer. You know, I grew up with them and even though I didn't grow up hunting them, like there's just, I just feel a connection to them. And yeah, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to get the best class that I can. So that way, whenever I kind of graduate to the out of state thing, you know, after I've practiced enough here in California in the desert, you know, because the terrain here and on the, on the rancheria is a lot like where I'm going to go in Idaho and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's going to be similar. So I, I decided to invest that money. And, and um, when I get up into Idaho, like I said, even though it's going to be, I anticipate and things change as soon as you get there, but I anticipate, you know, some mid slope, 
some mid slope hunting. I'm going to try to avoid, you know, the still hunting. I, I kind of agree with the other gentleman you had on who was in Idaho. Uh, he, he was a guy who said he killed that really big one. He tried it in the archery oh, season and then, yeah, yep. you know, I, I agree with him. I've, I've done the same thing where it's like, no, I'm not, I'm not really keen on jumping down in the timber. I'd rather hit the edge areas and sit above the edge areas and, and look through the glass and, and, and wait, because if there's sign, if there's recent sign, if they're in there, they're in there, they're just bedded down right. or they're just covered up. So if I stay and I keep my scent out of the area and if I'm, and I'm just looking through my glass, and I'm staying disciplined with it. The worm's going to turn and I'm going to find a buck, you know, so right. that that's what's happened here. And, and that's kind of the same tactic I'm going to take up there. You know, I, well, I, go ahead. Well, I was going to say not, not to cut you off, but uh, for, for the listeners um, that have never run because you're talking about Swaro optics and i wanted i wanted to say this real quick before i forget um i have a i have a pair of razors okay Mm -hmm. um my personal pair and i just don't hunt yeah they are i don't hunt enough to jump up to the next stage just family life and stuff for me doesn't dictate that but my hunting partner has the slc's Swaros, and without a doubt there is a difference between the razors and the SLCs. Like when I look through his, the swirls just like they, they just pop and I don't know what it is. It's Mm -hmm. hard to explain. Uh, But if, if you're somebody listening to this and you're kind of like, Oh, the razors are probably enough. I don't need to spend 20, 1900 or 2000 or 2100, whatever the SLCs are. ELs, Mm -hmm. ELs are more expensive, but um, there is a difference. And oh, sure. like you, you said, you went with the swirls because you don't want to question it. And I a hundred percent agree. I've never looked through like Leica's um, mm-hmm. or any, any of the other brands, but swirls versus razors, the swirls definitely win. Right. Well, but let me, let, and let me put a, let me put a little, I don't know, but disclaimer on that. You know, I, uh, I, I swore by vortex for, for a long time. And I think that the, uh, the vortex optics, especially for the money, um, their quality, man. I, I ran uh, 12 by 50 razors for probably three years and, you know, they, they definitely did the trick. Uh, what, what compelled me to jump into Swarovski was that I, you know, that, like I said, I just decided I'm going to be a mule deer guy and I'm going to go out of state and I want to put, I want to give myself every single edge that I can. And I know that there is a difference in edge to edge clarity. There's a difference in light. There's a difference in all kinds of different things with the glass, but you know, the razors are still great. I mean, the, one of the people, I don't know if you've ever seen her on Instagram, she goes by a Ninja Airsoft. She's, she's going to start bow hunting. And, um, okay. and I gave her my razors. It's like, Hey, here you go. Cause you know, it's, I, I don't, why, why let a good binoculars sit in the closet, you know? So I just gave them to right. her, you know? Well, and, and you're going to, and it, yeah, and it's not like the razors, like you're not going to find deer, like you will find no, you deer will. with a set of you razors. Um, oh yeah. There isn't, there is nothing wrong. They're more oh, yeah. than good for the, I don't know, whatever they cost now, 11, 12, 1300. But I'm just saying that between them and Soros, when you look, you just, if you have them side by side, you can see a difference. And I never thought you'd be well, able to, but you, you can see a difference. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of thought the same thing, but I mean, think about it. Uh, Ramella, very well-known hunter. All he uses is Vortex. Right. You know, so. and he's killing plenty. Exactly. So you're, you're taking your, your Swaros to Idaho and you're going to do like my buddy Max said, your plan is to find an area where, you know, there's deer and mm-hmm. pick it apart. That's, that is the plan for sure. I mean, I, I do, I do understand October deer hunting and in and, and October deer hunting, you know, um, I'm not going to cuss, but I mean, it sucks. I, I don't like hunting right. deer, mule deer in October. I mean, it's, it's that weird period where, you know, they've, they've, they've shaved off their velvet and they've gotten solitary. They're getting ready for the rut, you know, they're, so now they're just kind of bedded and getting fat and getting their necks huge and resting. So, you know, it's, it's not easy. And, you know, I, I anticipate the, I anticipate doing a lot of glassing, but at the same time, I do also, uh, I I'm also open to um, having to uh, adjust, you know, if I need to go to low country, if I, if I need to, if I need to just cut, cut bait and then find a new area where I can find new sign, you know, I mean, uh, I have 10 days to do it. I fully intend on staying every single day. And, you know, uh, I do have a standard. I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going for some trophy animal, but I do want something, you know, that is a mature uh, mule deer buck. I mean, I've, 
Right. I, I, I say all the time, you know, I'm an okay mule deer hunter. I would like to graduate to being a decent mule deer hunter. And uh, I think this, this season's kind of my, I'm looking at this as, you know, this is kind of my next step in my maturation, if you will, you know? Yeah. You know, my buddy Mac, who you, who you brought up, he, um, I, you know, I've known Mac for, I don't know what now, seven, eight years. And he, and I assume there's a lot of, a lot of the good mule deer hunters, which I would put him in that category. It's for the most part, it is big mule deer or bust. They don't, and they're fine with it. Like Mac is fine, not killing a deer for the most part. I mean, sure he wants to kill a deer, but mm-hmm. he will come home. If, if he didn't kill one, it's like, okay, I wanted this deer. I wanted this size of deer. I didn't find it. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. But I think the guys that don't kill those big ones are like me. Well, that's a decent little four point. Let's just, you know, I don't want to go home empty handed. Sure. So there's, there's that difference of being willing to eat your tag for a big deer. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I'm flirting with that standard, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm certainly not going to, I mean, I was kind of crazy. I was shocked when I saw the regulation. It's like a three inch antler and that's all it needs. I won't be doing that. You know, I, I, I won't be killing a fork and horn. You know, if it's a three point, it's gotta be like one that I've killed before with just giant G twos, you know, but Right. Yeah, I, I, I want, I, I, I certainly am going in there with a standard for just a mature deer, you know, a, a four to a five-year-old would be nice. And, you know, right. that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And uh, score wise, I mean, there's some, there's some pretty big four or five-year-olds that are 150 inches, you know, so I'm, I'm talking about the body because, <laughs> because right. we do, I mean, uh, you know, a staple for our, for our um, meal, meal deer is a staple in our house. I mean, we, I bring home three to four bucks a year and we try to live off that. Uh, so meat is still important, but you know, I paid for this Idaho tag because it's one, it's going to be challenged with the OTC hunt, but you know, Idaho is known for, for good mill deer. And I want to, I want to finally, you know, put myself to the test. Absolutely. So here, here's a question for you. Um, doing this hunt and, and everybody kind of has something different from what I've seen with this question but what is like one piece of gear when you go on this hunt that you have to have? Like for some people, it's a puffy jacket that never leaves your pack. For some people, um, there's this guy named uh, Backcountry Baba Yega. His name's um, Roger on Instagram. Good hunter. And he kind of told me once he goes, for me, it's my it's my chair. I always bring a collapsible chair, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, so what do you have? Like, is there anything in your arsenal that you're like, this makes my hunting better comfortably or, you know, helps me find success and it may not be an obvious choice. I think mine's probably obvious. I mean, uh, I mean, outside of boots and pack, I mean, that's what every hunter needs anyways. I mean, that's just kind of prerequisite. So for me, if it's one piece of gear, I can't live without, it's going to be my binoculars. Absolutely. You know, my binoculars, (laughs) I, my ELs (laughs) for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, definitely, you know, I, I agree with that, but is there, is there anything, okay. Luxurious. Is there anything you're taking luxurious in your pack that you, you're going to find like, you know, sitting there like this makes me happier right now. You know, this makes me comfortable. I know my, my puffy pants. (laughs) Okay. My puffy pants, my, my upper body doesn't get that cold. I can get away with like a base layer and a mid layer in most climates. And then maybe, you know, like, like that, that Brooks sweater, that first light makes, Mm -hmm. but the puffy pants, cause my legs, you know, my legs get freaking cold. So my puffy pants for sure. I love those. Yeah. And you know, I, I think in Idaho that time of year, uh, what elevation are you going to be at? Um, it's looking like the top elevations, but I think it was between 85, 85 and seven, 7,000 feet is going to be your top elevation and it just goes down from there. So, okay, um, it'll be decent, but it's, you know, we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to be 10,000, nothing like that. No, but you're high enough to get cold. Oh, so, sure. Absolutely. Uh, puffy pants. Yeah. I don't know if, you know, a lot of guys, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of guys have them. I have puffy pants. They are without a doubt, if it's mid to late October, puffy pants and a puffy jacket are in my pack at all times. Oh, absolutely. If you, yeah, if you're going to, if you're, especially if you're hunting the mountains, you know, if you're hunting the mountains and you're glassing, or if you're hunting the mountains and you're sitting in an ambush or something like that, 
and you don't have puffy layers, you, you're either really tough or really crazy. <laughs> For sure. Now, yes, that is 100% accurate. And I will say this, that once you get cold, like living here in Colorado, uh, versus, right, once you get cold, there's no going back. Like it's Mm-mm. either you're going to stay frozen or it's time to go to the truck, you know, and oh, get man. out of there. Tell me about it. And right. So, so here's another question. Um, because you love your EL so much, what are you using for a tripod? And do you think there's a big difference in tripods? I, you know, I do. Uh, I, I, I've heard, you know, a lot of guys like the, uh, you know, the Manfrotto's and the kind of the, the carbon stuff. Um, I, I, I've played around with some carbon tripods. Uh, yeah, they're light. Uh, they're just, to me, I'm real rough on my gear. So I need it to be, I need it to be bomb proof. So, um, I, I run an outdoorsman tripod. Uh, I use the bino adapter. I have the pan heads and the pistol grips. I mean, all that crap. And I, I, I don't know. I've had that tripod for six years, man. I've beat the hell out of it and it, it works like it did on day one. You know, it's, it's, it's not super heavy. You know, it's it like those, you ever, tried those vortex tripods the bigger ones yeah. those things those things I, are like anchors and yeah. you know this one's i pack, I pack around an anchor okay <laughs> that's, so you know, that's like, what well, i have i did too, <laughs> I did too for sure i did that for a few years i'm like man this thing's heavy but um you know i've i've run outdoorsman for the last few years and for me i i just if anybody asks me i'm going to tell them look yeah you can you can get you can get the sexy you know lightweight stuff and 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 that's cool but um you know, you better not drop it. They're not, you know, sit on it. They're not having the bottom of your pack and drop your pack, you know, cause that, that could end up bad. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just worked out real well for me, but, um, but yeah, I, I just, I couldn't recommend their stuff enough, honestly. Right now I don't, right. And I don't think you clarified this when you said you're going to Idaho, but that is a rifle hunt, correct? Oh yeah. That's a rifle hunt. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what is your current setup? Cause I know you're into long range shooting and we don't have a, have a ton of time to go into that, but um, mm-hmm. you, you, you've recently gotten into long range shooting, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Very, very yeah. recently. I, I do the poor man's version. Uh, okay. You know, I, I bought a, um, I, I got, I, I run a six, five Creed more. Um, I found that the, that cartridge is, I don't know. It's kind of like it was in the military. You know, we, we, when we were running, um, we run an M16s, you know, that low recoil type rifle, you know, it just really helps with accuracy, you know, cause I don't care who you are. You're going to have some recoil anticipation. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, whenever you have a lighter, whenever you have a, you know, lighter round, uh, you don't have as much anticipation and you can stay in the scope a hell of a lot easier for follow-up shots. And, uh, you know, with a round, like a six, five Creedmoor, you are going to have to have a follow-up shot. It's just the way it is. It's not a giant round. So I've, I'm usually putting one to two round or two to three rounds in, in my animals, but you know, it does a trick. Um, I got a Bergara. I got a Bergara as far as a production rifle. I figure uh, I'm not going to buy a custom gun. I don't, I don't have the money for that. You know, I spent that money on Swaro. Uh, So I'm, I'm going to, you know, I go with Bergara. I think Bergara, uh, whenever I bought that rifle, the, uh, the, the, the gun dealer, he, he had a bore scope and he ran that through, um, he ran it through a Hawa. He ran it through, um, uh, uh, a Browning and he ran it through that Bergara and just the difference in the rifling. Uh, you could see where some of the areas in the other, other barrels where they got overheated, you know, where there was nicking mm, okay. and, and, and like, like nicking in the, in the rifling themselves, you know, the Bergara rifling, it was just flawless. And it's a pretty, it's a heavy, heavy barrel, but uh it it just it shoots like a dream you know it's 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 really it's it's really accurate it's super durable so i i've been running that barrel for a while and recently i got the uh just that magpul hunter 700 you know as far as a a a hunting platform to shoot off of you know i i i like to have a little bit of extra room for my for my shooting hand you know because i feel Mm -hmm. like if you put too much input into the rifle stock that that influences your shot so you know, that helped me do that. Uh, you know, it's, it's relatively inexpensive, you know, and then my scope is, uh, it's just the, the vortex diamondback, uh, tactical it's the, uh, six to 24 by 50. It's an MRAD scope. Okay. Yep. And, you know, I, I like MRAD better than the MOA because I think I'm just better with decimals than I am fractions. Uh, okay. it, it, 
it and it, it seems like there's a lot more adjustment in the uh, in the mill as well. Uh, but again, I mean that scope is not. I think it was like 500 something bucks, you know, so it was relatively inexpensive too. You know, it's uh, that whole setup. I, you know, that rifle, the rifle scope rings uh, 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 stock, you know, we're still under two grand and, you know, I'm the furthest I've been out so far is about 850. I'm smacking steel at 850. Um, I use a, a Kestrel 2700 and, and my vortex rangefinder. Uh, it doesn't give me, it doesn't give me pressure. It doesn't give me humidity or any of that kind of stuff, but it does at least give me, uh, you know, the, the wind and, uh, the elevation. So that's enough for me to start for now. Uh, right now I'm, I'm super accurate 600 yards and in, you know, and for hunting, I'm, I'm trying to pay attention to as much just regular guys putting their videos on YouTube on OTC hunts. And I'll tell you what, I'm seeing a lot of guys having to take shots across canyons uh, right. where these shots are not, you know, 200 yard shots. These guys are taking, you know, anywhere from four to five, 600 yard shots. So I'm just wondering, I don't know if that's the norm or not, but I'm, I'm damn sure going to be prepared for it if that's what I have to do. Well, you know, I actually really appreciated um, seeing uh, you talk about that in one of your, your posts uh, about shooting out to 750, because I'm not a long range guy. I have a six, five. Um, it's just, it, it's completely um, stock. It's a, the Ruger predator uh, predator six, five uh -huh. um, comes with the vortex diamond back or something like that on it. Just, just a basic gun. But sure. um, I think there's this, this, thought process when people see long range shooters on Instagram and things that talk about, Oh, hit it, hit this rock at 1300 yards or something like that. Uh -huh. Now there, there is a lot of guys that are good. that can do it. But right. what people don't realize is that most people, I think posting these videos have probably taken like 10 shots before that, just to figure out where <laughs> they need to aim. Yeah. So, so seeing you, say uh, 750 i think in the long range community or people that think long range it doesn't sound like a lot but right to to put your gun onto a target your scope onto a target and the very first shot at 750 yards you hit what you're aiming at is impressive like it really is and mm -hmm. uh too too many people i i mean i i've never even taken a shot that far i'm out to about 400 yards is the farthest i've ever shot um sure. but but seeing that, you know, people need to understand that at, at a thousand yards, if you have a 10 mile an hour wind, like that is going to be huge. And, you know, they just need to understand that, like what you're doing, being honest, like, hey, 750 is where I'm at right now. That's as good as I can, you know, my hmm. limit of accuracy. I feel like for you, that means I'm going to hit it. You know, when I put it up here, my first shot, I'm going to hit it. Um where other people it's like, yeah, I hit it 1300 yards, but that's after 25 shots. You know, so. and I think, I think, uh, I, I, I appreciate what you're saying, but you know, I, I think, you know, I'm new to the Instagram thing. I'm having a ball. It's, it's fun. I met all kinds of awesome people. I met, I mean, I met you and everything. This has been great. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the one thing I have noticed, uh, you know, I, I've never been a guy who, you know, I'm not led by my ego. Uh, I, I, I have a big ego, but I'm not, I'm not led around by it. Uh, right. I've noticed, I've noticed with the social media thing, you know, I, I think there are, there's a good amount of people who they just want to, they kind of want to fast forward to, um, you know, to being the accomplished people without putting in the work. So it's like, mm -hmm. they, they want to just show like, Oh, I got all this stuff and, and, and kind of make it look that way without doing the work. And those are kind of the same kind of guys that will take the 10 shots before they, post something right. you know um i think i think it's important to post the misses as much as it is the hits because i think people need to understand that you know getting good at anything uh you know it's it's a process and 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 you're gonna miss and you need to fail because that's where you learn you know it, whenever i was a marine uh, you know i qualified rifle expert every every single year and that's where the iron sights but shooting is a perishable skill and if you're not if, if you're not paying attention and if you're not dry firing, if you're not, you know, you know, putting in the work, then, uh, you know, you're, you're going to, well, you're just, you're just not going to be good, <laughs> you know? Right. And, yeah. and, and, and I think it's important, you know, we, we owe it to the animals, man. If, if, if you're going to say, if you're going to say 500 yards is your max effective range, well, that better mean that you're, you're going to hit that animal 10 out of 10 times at 500 yards. You know, because right. we owe it, we owe it to them. 
You know, I, I, even though I like to shoot this longer stuff, you know, I haven't had a thousand yards yet. Bradley, I've, I've shot, I think four, four of the bucks that I've killed with a rifle. I've shot in bow range with a rifle. You know, I, I, I still have that, you know, I still have that need to try to get as close to him as humanly possible just because I want to put the odds in my favor. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I haven't taken a shot longer than 300. I've had two deer where I've actually chased down and got to within 300 while they were on the run. As soon as they stopped then I've laid them down, but you know, um, I, I want to be prepared for every scenario. So I figure if I practice way back there, then I'll be ready for everything way back there and in, you know, but I'm still going to try to get in. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, if I can take a 200 yard shot instead of a 600, uh, you know, all day oh, yeah. long. Um, but yeah, I, I you know, I, I just see a lot of that long range stuff. So I appreciated that post when, when I read it, cause, cause you just rarely see people talk about, you know, I'm good out to 700 instead of like, Oh, I can shoot 1200, 1300 yards. And it's like, yeah, in my mind, I start thinking, okay, I know enough <laughs> about long range shooting that 1300 yards. is it, That's a poke, you, man. You, yeah, you better be very good and really have the wind down if you're going to shoot that, that far. But, but uh, yeah. Anyways, Brandon. Yeah, I. You know, I thought this was a great conversation, man. Um, you oh, know, yeah, is there anything you'd like 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 to you know say to the listeners, maybe to new hunters, kind of you know some encouragement or anything that that are interested in getting into it. You know, I, I still, I, I don't know, man, I still kind of consider myself a new hunter. I mean, I, like I said, I think I'm, I'm decent. I'm okay. But, uh, I, when it comes to people who are just starting out, my thing would be, do not be afraid to fail and don't be afraid to ask questions, you know? And if you're asking questions from somebody who, you know, you look up to as a hunter and if that person acts like they don't have the time of day for you, well, ask somebody else. It's all good. You know, don't take it personal, move on. You know, uh, just getting, getting good at stuff means we got to take chances. we got to take risks. And that might even mean that, uh, if you're a new hunter, you have to go hunt by yourself, you know, uh, as cheesy as it might sound, you know, I, when I started hunting by myself, I wasn't crazy about going in the woods alone. And then I, uh, I started paying attention to the whole fear thing with it not being completely honest with me and, you know, screw it. I get out there and I've gotten better. So just keep your mind open and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah, I like that. And uh, to add to that just a little bit, I would say that have an open mind with other people's um, ways of doing it. You know, I see a lot. I see a lot of, well, I don't, I don't rifle hunt because of this reason, or I don't archery hunt for this reason. You know, everybody, (laughs) if, if, if you're enjoying yourself and having fun, that is all that matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what method you're doing. Just enjoy yourself. Enjoy being in the woods. I tell you what, man, if, if they open up a season with this, with a fork, I'm doing it, man. I, I don't care. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, so that's great, man. Well, uh, Brandon, uh, this was awesome. Uh, for those of you listening, you can find Brandon, uh, on Instagram at high desert native, correct? Yes, sir. Uh, and Brandon is an awesome guy. He will, I'm sure he's not going to give you his GPS coordinates to his hunting spots, but he will definitely answer any questions you have. I even, uh, I even see you running sometimes around the track, you know, I see oh, you out there, out there training. Oh, dude. You know, I, 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 I ran cross country. Uh, I, I ran cross country middle school, but I trained with the high school and in our town in Susanville, we were winning CIF in California quite a few years in a row. We had really good runners up here. And, you know, I ran, I ran invitational meets with the high school and the middle school ran all the normal meets and stuff. You know, I, I was a decent mm-hmm. runner. I was a decent runner. But then when I got to high school, I saw that the football players were the ones getting the girls. So I tried to go play football instead of run. I should have <laughs> ran. Okay. I should have <laughs> ran because I, I was 130 pounds for three years. I got my butt kicked on the football field. You know, yeah, but, you would have been, you would have been a but good the runner. running. You should, you should have seen, like, I, I think half our cross country team joined the Marine Corps. You know, it's, it's, uh, cross country cross country taught me so much about just mental fortitude it taught me about you know i don't know it's like that just just pushing yourself you know like cross country probably taught me more as far as any sports i ever played than than anything you know and it really helped me in the military for sure so i try to run but now i have i have disc degeneration in l3 4 and 5 so i 
you know, I have to be careful. It, it sucks. Right. I, I used to be able to, used to be able to do sub, you know, sub five minute miles and, you know, my three miles nice. were around, were around 18 minutes. Now I'd probably run three miles in a half an hour. <laughs> but, but you're still running. That's all that matters. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, all right, Brandon, this was an awesome conversation. Again, uh, listeners, you can find him at uh, high desert native on Instagram and I'll put that in the notes. Uh, and thanks for coming on, man. Hey, man, thank you for the opportunity, dude. I really enjoyed the conversation. Absolutely. And wish you had nothing but the best of luck on these uh, upcoming hunts. You too, man. Keep me posted. All right. Thanks a lot, Brandon. All right, brother. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Backcountry Cardio Podcast. Uh, today's episode was with Brandon Gutierrez. You can find him on Instagram at High Desert Native. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Backcountry Cardio or on my website at backcountrycardio.com. Thank you again.